Voyages of Fim Better Podcast. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, November 20th. It has been about a week since I released a podcast, and I didn't want to lose any momentum, so I recorded a solo story about my time in Luang Prabang, Laos. That will be following shortly. Uh, please trust, though, that despite putting out a podcast for a week, I have been working hard to make connections and to continue to learn. Um, I have a cool new device that will allow me to record phone calls a little more clearly. Uh, the episode that I released last week with Dan, it sounded pretty good in post-production, but this will eliminate the need for all that post-production. So uh, thank you again to the person that I always thank, and that is Brian Goldsman. He is the audio and electronics wizard. I mentioned last week that I would hold off from talking about the election until the next podcast, and this is the next podcast, but I don't know. I think that you are, you're getting opinions from every single direction right now, so what does my opinion really matter? I'll say this, though, that um, I think getting out and, and traveling and, and talking to people and, and learning from people would do this country a whole lot of good. Um, I've been all over the country from Birmingham to Omaha to both Portland's to Chicago to San Diego. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm any sort of authority on the matter, but the, uh, the thing that I've learned is that we're all really similar and this is going to sound cheesy or hokey or overly sentimental. I don't know, but the one thing that I always find is that people just want to be happy and most people are, are looking for love and whatever that is. If it's that they are looking to love their career or to love a spouse or to spend time with loved ones in their family. And I think that um, as awful and as hurtful as some of the things that are happening are, you know, the, the spray painting of the hateful symbols and words and things like that, I just don't think it's it's going to do us any good to come back at that with more hate. I think that um, you should go spend some time in an urban area and understand why people might be afraid of, you know, some of the things that Donald Trump has been saying in the lead up to his presidency. Or I think you should go to a rural area where maybe there were once factories and there were once jobs and those have closed and understand why people might be fearful of that and might have voted for Donald Trump for for that reason alone. Um, again, I'm not I'm not on here to necessarily talk politics or to defend either side, but uh, I think the one thing that I do know is is that um, the more time that you spend with people who are different from you, the more you learn to identify with the common things that make us human. I spend. A lot of my time as an educator with youth in New York City, and I'm constantly surprised that we have so much more in common than than we have uh, than we have different. So that's uh, I guess my little piece of wisdom for you today. Uh, following this is going to be my story about Lao. Actually, immediately following this is my um, interlude music then the story from Lao, and then I'm going to follow it up with a song from a band that I believe is called uh, Sinusal. 
that song was on the introduction episode that I had that I've since deleted just because it didn't sound so good. So um, I've been toying with the idea of re-recording an intro, but I think by this point you sort of understand who I am and where I'm coming from. So uh, I wanted to play that song because I think it sort of uh, reflects the sentiments that some people are feeling now. Okay, here comes my story about Lao. Sabadi, and welcome to Luang Prabang. I'm forewarning you that I'm probably going to butcher a lot of the names and the words in this episode. I've heard people call it Luang Prabang, but I'm sticking with Luang Prabang. I flew Lao Airlines to Luang Prabang, and the most memorable thing about the flight, well, first of all, it's an absolutely beautiful flight, and you're flying over jungle. But the thing that stuck out to me the most was the seafood salad sandwich that they served you on the flight. Now, on the one hand, it was awesome to get something for free because when you fly AirAsia, you don't get anything for free and you can't get water, you can't get food, everything you have to buy. But on the other hand, it's a seafood salad sandwich on white bread on a plane. And that made me nervous, so I didn't eat it. But the guy next to me, he wolfed his down like the true champion that he is, and then he kept <laughs> eyeing my sandwich, so I gave him mine, and he ate that too. Wow, kudos to you, sir. Now, when you're flying into Luang Prabang, you're flying over the Mekong. It's absolutely amazing. It looks like you're, you're going to land on it like some Captain Phillips on the Hudson type of thing. Was it Captain? No, what was that guy's name? Uh, Sully. Captain Sully, same thing, right? Captain Sully flying over the Hudson or flying onto the Hudson. It looks like you're going to land in the Mekong. The airport is right next to it, and it's absolutely beautiful. So we landed there, and then I took a taxi to the hotel. Now, Kevin, whose name has come up on here before, he was with me. So we chose a hotel that was kind of outside of the city proper. If you look at a a map of Luang Prabang, it's a peninsula and it is surrounded by the Mekong to the north and to most of the east and to the south is the Nam Khan River, which is like a subsidiary of the Mekong. So we stayed south of the Nam Khan River. And again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. The way that you get to the city center from our hotel is you take an old bamboo bridge which is a totally cool experience. For a few of the days that we were there, it had been raining so heavily that the bridge was damaged. And you could take a water taxi across, but the taxi was never there. Um, So we actually had to walk all the way around to the old bridge, but I'll, I'll get to some of that in a bit. Now, like I said, our hotel was to the south of the city center, and it was nice. Uh... We enjoyed having it there. One of the really cool things that you can do in Luang Prabang is that you can wake up early and you can give alms to the monks who come around and 
they beg for for food and and for drink and things like that because everything that they eat in a day is something that is given to them. So you can go and you can purchase snacks and things like that. Or if you're staying at a hotel or guest house that will help you to prepare food, you can also do that. So the thing that they were preparing at our hotel was sticky rice. Now, the first day that the alms were, the first morning that we were there, uh, it was just an absolute deluge. It was raining so hard. So we thought maybe, you know, they're not walking around, but this is how they get food. So of course they were. So we, we didn't go that day, but we went the next day. And it's, uh, it's a great experience. The, the monks come around and you get to sit amongst uh, other folks from Laos and you get to give them their food for the day. I had heard that in the city center, it's a lot more crowded and it's, it's kind of hard to get you know, a good place and a good view. But where we were was, was great. It was just us, uh, all the street dogs that you see around Laos uh, and more specifically in uh, Luang Prabang. And then the folks who were sitting out and giving them food. So that was really a cool experience. And I would recommend, if you're interested in doing that, in staying at a hotel or guest house that is outside of that uh, city center, just so that you can get a little bit more of an authentic experience. Now, talking about authenticity, this is, this is something that I wanted to bring up and I wanted to address. I read a bunch of travel bloggers um, who had written about Luang Prabang, and they said that they didn't like their experience there. Now, the reason that was given for this was because there are a whole lot of tourists in Luang Prabang. And when you're walking around the streets and the night markets and things like that, you see far more tourists than you see, you know, people from Laos. Now, I understand this sentiment and it too... For me, kind of walking around the night markets and the main streets in the city that are busy, it didn't really feel distinguished from anywhere else that I had been. And so I can understand that sentiment. But at the same time, I'm exactly that thing that those bloggers are talking about, right? Like I'm a white Westerner, so I can't really get mad at it. And I'll, I'll talk about some of the things that you can do to have... Uh, a great time in, in Luang Prabang despite that. Now, it's also just kind of a relaxing place to stop off when you're hopping around Southeast Asia. I talked about Chiang Mai and Bangkok and Hanoi so far, and those places sometimes are a bit of a sensory overload. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people. Luang Prabang was a much more chilled out environment. It's not a party place. So there's not going to be music all night long. In fact, I think most of the places close relatively early. I think it was like 10 30 ish or 11. One of the more popular spots to go and grab a drink or grab some food is Utopia. A lot of backpackers go there. A lot of tourists go there. It's a really chill environment. Um, at certain parts of the day, there are yoga classes. Depending on where you're sitting, you can look out over the river there are like beanbag chairs and pillows and things like that. So you can sprawl out. There was a uh, big screen that was showing movie clips and things like that. And they had pretty good food too. And of course, Lao beer. So I would recommend going there. Kevin and I went there a couple days and we met a friend there, Charlotte. So um, going to Utopia proved fruitful for us. So I would definitely recommend going there. Uh, 
definitely check out the night market again i've said this but they all start to look a bit similar uh, one of the cool things about it though is there's a lot of uh, vegetarian cuisine in luang prabang and you can go to these giant kind of outdoor buffet style and pay i think it was ten thousand kip which is slightly more than a dollar american and you just fill up a bowl with as much food as you can stuff into it so that was good and um I found a gym, like an open-air gym, that I went to twice. That was pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, we just hit some of the bars and the and the restaurants and things like that. In the mornings, uh, one of the markets you can go to has uh, tons of fresh juice and fruit. And sandwiches are a big thing there, too. Kind of like a banh mi. It's, like it's a baguette sandwich, so... Uh, that's something that you could check out for an early morning treat. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the day that I ventured off by myself. So I started the day trying to cross over the, uh, the bamboo bridge. And like I had said, it had been raining a lot and it was flooded. So I saw a guy just on a fishing boat. And I was kind of motioning over to him, like, can you take me across? And he didn't understand what I was saying. So I took out some kip and I was kind of like waving it at him, like, hey, I'll give you some kip if you could take me across. And he was shaking his head, no, no, no. So I was like, ah, okay. So I was walking back to the road and I figured I was just going to take the long way around. And someone came whizzing by on a motorbike and it was the guy who owned the hotel that we were staying at. So I guess it was kind of serendipitous that he was coming by at that moment. And he let me hop on the back of his bike. He didn't have any foot pegs or anything like that. So I was kind of hanging on with my hands grabbing the seat. But it was really cool. And he took me over the old bridge, which is something you can also walk over. And it's super cool. Like it is a, a wooden bridge. And there are some spaces now between the wooden planks so you can kind of look down and see the river below you and i was it made me think of like indiana jones and the temple of doom at the end of it with the alligators in the river and things like that um so he took me across and he took me into kind of like the center of luang prabang where i went to the historical museum that was cool and then i hiked up Mount Fusi, which I think I'm saying correctly. And it started out kind of cool at the bottom and then it got so hot walking up to the top. I was such a sweaty mess when I got up there. Uh, but it offers you an amazing view of the city. And you can also, it's crazy, you can buy, uh, like I guess there's sparrows in cages and you can re release the sparrows at the top of Mount Fusi. So I guess that's kind of cool um, if that's something that you're into. So after hiking up Mount Fusi, I came back down and I had heard that you could cross over the Mekong, so go north of the city, and that there were some things to do on the other side. So I ventured to the Mekong and I saw kind of like a flat barge type of a boat and there were some people on it. And I was thinking, all right, I guess maybe this is how you get across. So there was a sign on there and it was all in Lao. And I saw like, 
it said 8,000 kip and it had some other prices and things like that, but I couldn't read the rest of it. So I was thinking, okay, so for like a dollar, I guess I could get on this boat and it'll take me across. But I didn't know if there was a schedule. I didn't know if it would take me back across. Um, I didn't know what was on the other side. So I was trying to talk to some of these people on the boat and no one spoke English. And I was just saying like, uh, come back, come back. Uh, what time <laughs> tonight? And no one, no one knew what I was saying. Um, so I said, screw it. I'm just going to try it. So I paid the 8,000 kit. And just as the barge was about to take off, I saw two folks get on who looked like Westerners. So you know, I walked up to them and I said, Hey, do you know the schedule or anything? Do you, do you know how we get back? And they were just as clueless as I was, but it was great because now I kind of had two people I could talk to at least. Now they were French Canadian and they were university students and they were completely awesome. And I spent a lot of time with them that day, but I'll get to that in a minute. So the barge did take us across, which was exactly what we wanted to do. And I didn't really know what was on the other side. So I, I walked with a couple from Canada and we walked up to a sign that had a map and they knew a little bit more than I did about the different temples and things like that, that were north of the river. So I asked them, you know, Hey guys, do you mind if I kind of, uh, tag along today? And you know, you could ditch me at any point if you want, but they were like, Oh no, 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 sure. Sure. Come with us. It'll be great. So Super hot out, super sweaty, but totally worth it. We walked around to a number of temples and we got to see some of the young monks. That was really cool. Um, obviously, a lot of the temples had really cool artwork in it and some Buddhas and things like that. And there were really no tourists that were north of the river. So we were really the only ones, which was pretty cool. And um, we were looking for a place called uh, white Buddha. Now I was thinking that this was going to be like a big Buddha that was white. And we were asking people and they didn't really know what we were talking about. So, okay, we'll just keep going along and walk into the temples and checking things out. And eventually there is a person that comes by who's also speaking French. And so he starts talking to the couple and he's like, oh, you really need to check out the cave. It's, it's up ahead. It's really cool. So you're like, oh man, there's a cave. That's awesome. So we're getting closer to the area that he had pointed out, which he said was the cave. And three very young children come up to us. There are two girls and a boy. And they have a key. And they're able to say, we have the key to the cave. So we're like, huh, the key to the cave. That's weird. Now we had no other choice, I guess. So we were following these kids. And before we got to the area that they said was the cave, they told, they were holding out their hands, like they wanted something. And they were saying, bon, 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 bon. So we figured this out that they wanted some candy. So in exchange for allowing us to go into this cave, they wanted candy. We didn't have any candy, but I did have some kip on me. So I gave each kid, I forget how much it was, but I think it was like a dollar American. And they were happy with that. They were also completely fascinated by uh, tattoos and body hair. 
So the one gentleman that was with us, he had a beard. They were tugging at that. They were tugging at his arm hair. They were poking at uh, our tattoos and things like that. Um, the one little boy, he wanted to look through my phone. So he was looking through my phone and I had the pictures from the Muay Thai fighting. So then he thought I was like an actual fighter and like some, some tough guy. So he was punching me and he was like make, having me make biceps and he was trying to hang from my biceps and things like that. So uh, they were really cute kids. And lo and behold, they did have a key to a uh, gate that was in front of a cave. So this was really cool. They opened up the cave for us and they took us down and it was a cave and there was uh there was a buddha down there and there was some uh a little bit of like uh, wall art or cave paintings um don't really know the history behind it so i don't know how if it's authentic i don't know if this is just like a a, a trap for tourists that the that they've set up over there but it was really cool and it was cool hanging out with the kids uh they were really fun and uh you know, it was, it felt special. It was cool that I got to experience this with, you know, some new friends. So that was really cool. After that, the, the kids left and we kept walking for a bit to find the white Buddha. And we came to a temple and there were some monks there. And I was trying to communicate with one of the monks. And I was saying, the white Buddha, the white Buddha, do you know where it is? And, he's, and he was saying, here, here, it's right here. So I'm like, I don't see a white Buddha anywhere. So then we figured that the actual temple complex is the White Buddha. <laughs> and there wasn't actually a White Buddha, but uh, it was a cool temple complex and it was cool to get to chat with a monk for a little bit. So I really enjoyed it. And the time, my time north of the river was great. So we walked back to kind of where the, the path had started, where that, that sign, the directional sign was. And the couple told me that they were gonna go back. So I said, okay. Uh, I'm going to walk on in, in another direction for a little bit. So I walked for, I don't know, 20 minutes. I guess, what's that? Uh, maybe a mile and a half, two miles in that heat. I was walking slow. And, you know, I was passing a, a couple of st uh, stands. But after that, it was really just rural. There were, were uh, goats walking by and things like that. And eventually I was like, man, I, I don't really know where I'm going. It's super hot. This could get kind of dangerous. I was running out of water. So I decided to walk back. So I walked back down to where the water taxi had dropped us off. There were some women that were sitting under umbrellas and they had baskets with them. And there was also a cow drinking from the muddy river. So I was trying to stand off in a bit of a shady area because it was so hot as I was waiting for this boat to come back. And this cow walks over to me and it, at first it starts sniffing me. So I think it's, you know, it's just, it's just a, a curious cow and I'm a human and it's checking me out. But then it started to chew on my pocket and I had a piece of spearmint gum in my pocket. So maybe it was that. But this cow is chewing on my shorts and I'm trying to walk away from it. and It's pulling on me. So these... Lao grandmothers, I'm guessing they are, they start cracking up and one of them rushes over and she starts bopping the cow on the head to make it let go of me and it lets go. And one of the other women then like gestures to me that she's got something in this uh, wicker basket. So I go over to her and she has these uh, banana leaves, these like square packages wrapped in banana leaves. 
So didn't know what it was, but I said, okay, sure, I'll take one. Gave her, again, just, what, 8,000 kip probably. And within it was sticky rice, which is amazing. It was sticky rice with a coconut flavor, so probably it had uh, coconut milk or um, like coconut oil. And it had a like a purplish yogurty custard which was amazing so this was like a dessert and it was awesome after you know sweating all day and burning calories to to have something delicious like that and i waited there with them and not really saying much because we didn't have a common tongue until the ferry came back and picked me up and i went back to the city proper so i loved going north of the river i would totally suggest that if you ever go to luang prabang the people there were super friendly. Uh, there was one night where Kevin and I were out and we were trying to take a tuk-tuk back to our hotel. Now, it's really dark at night and there's not a lot of traffic and there's no street, the street lights or anything like that, especially uh, where we were, you know, like I, I keep saying, south of, of the city proper. And our tuk-tuk driver had no clue where we were going. He, he was totally lost, and so we were we stopped, and we got out, and we were just asking people, like, hey, we're lost. We don't know where to go, and eventually, the one time when we get out, the tuk-tuk driver just takes off, so now it's the middle of the night. We don't know where the heck we are, and we came upon two gentlemen, and, you know, in a situation like this, you you could be real nervous. I guess things could go wrong, but... They helped us out, and they he had us hop on his bike one by one, and he he figured out where our hotel was, and he dropped us off. So uh, that was also a cool experience, uh, getting to hop on a bike twice in Laos. But um, you know, it was a, another scenario in which uh, you could be nervous when you're traveling, but people just turned out to be really friendly and awesome. So um, that was a cool experience as well. Now, one of the things that I was most excited to do in Luang Prabang is the uh, Kuang Sai waterfalls. I think I'm saying Kuang Sai correctly. Um, if you know how to pronounce it, please let me know. We so you can take you can take a tuk tuk, you can rent a bike, or you can get a car to go to the waterfalls. We got a car. It was someone that the hotel owner had known. I think it was like his brother or something, actually. And he drove like an absolute maniac. He would um, rev the engine until he was right on the bumper of the car in front of him, beep the horn like crazy, and then he would swerve onto the oncoming lane and go around that car. Now, we were talking with someone else when we were in Laos, and they said, oh, this is kind of what the drivers do there. But I don't know. This, he felt like a crazy person. So it was me, Kevin, and our new friend Charlotte in the car, and this guy drove us to Kuang Sai. Now, when you first go there, you actually enter into a bear sanctuary. There are these uh, Asian black bears. I think they're called moon bears. I believe that's what they were called. And it's a sanctuary for them because they are killed and their bile is taken for some sort of, uh, you know, alleged medicinal property 
and I think I recall them saying that that bile is sold in China. So these bears that are in this sanctuary are obviously uh, protected and saved, and they're trying to prevent, um, you know, the sale of this bile, and they're trying to educate people. So it was cool to, to go to walk through that and to see them. And then you walk up a little bit and you come to the Kwangsai Falls. Now, I have pictures. You can see pictures on Google. I have some pictures on my Instagram and some video and things like that. And you get to it and it's these pools of water. And it's at an incline. So you go and you hang out in a pool of water and then you walk up a little bit and there's another pool of water. It's all running down from the giant waterfalls, which is at the top. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, water is this amazing uh, like tropical bluish green. Um, it was really peaceful when we went. There weren't a lot of people there. Uh, there are fish in the water that will nip and bite at your feet the whole time you're there. So that takes a little bit getting used to. But um, we spent a long time there. We were just... At first, we were just sitting on the rocks. Then we found the spot that everybody goes to, which is this uh, tree stump, I guess it is, or, or a, a portion of the tree root that you can dive off of into the water. And that was really fun. Um, we did that a bunch of times. And you know, people doing cannonballs, people are taking pictures, there's people jumping with selfie sticks and things like that. It's just really fun and really peaceful and really beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful places I had been and one of the coolest uh, like swimming experiences that I had ever had. Now, we were told from some people that the land around that area was being sold off to, uh, I believe it was Chinese businesses and developers. So I don't know what that means for the falls. I don't know if it means they're going to build it up into some... Disneyland type of thing. It is a main tourist attraction in uh, Luang Prabang. So, you know, I would hate to see that happen because it is so, it's for the most part still untouched. I think they added, there was like a restaurant towards uh, the top of it. But um, so we made our way through all these pools of water and we, I had seen online that people took photographs from the top of the waterfalls. So we walked through, there's a little bridge that you can take pictures at and things like that. And we were thinking, okay, we're going to go to the top of the falls. Now I had mentioned to you that it had been raining really hard. Um, every day that we were there, there was a, a storm and Kevin and I were wearing flip-flops. Charlotte was the only one smart enough to wear sandals or I think she had Birkenstocks on. Now I'm thinking, okay, but I had seen people take pictures at the top of the fall, so people must go all the time, and the majority of the people around here are walking around in flip-flops, so it can't be so bad. So we start the trail, and there's a sign. There's a fork in the trail, and there's a sign pointing in the two directions, and the sign is written in Lao, so we cannot read it. But we see it looks like some people off to the right side of the fork. So we say, oh, we, it must be that way. Now, immediately, we were sinking into the mud, and it was super, super slick because it had been raining so much. Uh, 
so it was tough to do. And as you're going up, there's a steep drop off to your right. So you, you don't want to go sliding off the side of this essentially like jungle mountain. Um, so we're walking up and we do see some people ahead of us, but it starts to get really treacherous. Like we're slipping, we're sliding, we're falling. This was not such a long time after we had done the Muay Thai. So I had the cuts on my feet and they're filling up with mud. So I'm worrying about like parasites and, and bugs and things like that. Um, it was really tough. We kept falling. We were slipping at some point. Kevin's flip-flops completely broke and sunk into the mud. So they were gone. And eventually I lose a flip-flop. So I was down to one. So we're trying to do this barefoot. And you're, you're like gripping at this slick mud with your toes. And we were kind of like uh, almost walking on all fours for, for a little bit of it. And just kind of like grabbing at rocks and things like that. We, we, none of us wanted to be the one person who said, I have to go back. I can't do this. So we were clawing our way up. And as we got higher, it was a bit hotter. So some of the mud started to, to harden and it was easier to walk on that. But it was really tough and treacherous. Now, we eventually, it was interesting. Like it looked like they were somehow trying to do some development at the top of this trail. So there was like uh, almost like an abandoned construction site. It was really odd. Um, but we came upon that and then we heard running water. So we were thinking, Oh great. Like we're, we're coming to the top of where this falls, where the falls begin. But it wasn't, it was just a, a stream that went running through. So, and, and the mountain ended there. Like the only other thing to do was like to hop into this stream, which was moving really quick. And, Maybe that will take you to the falls, but then you'll plunge off the side of the falls. And we had no idea what was going on. So we see a group of, of people with backpacks and things like that. So we're like, oh, great. So we said to them, you know, how do you get to the top of the falls from this section? And they were like, <laughs> they were like oh, you don't. So we were like, what? And they were like, oh, this is a separate trail. Like we are, <laughs> we are hikers. We're backpackers. This is what we're doing. And meanwhile, the three of us are here completely covered in mud. Kevin and I have no shoes. And we're like, oh my God, like we have to go back down the way we came. This is going to be disastrous. Now, some of the things that we came across too, which I forgot to mention, is giant uh, amber centipede, which was like the size of my head and uh, a, a horribly, horribly giant spider, which scared the crap out of me and some kind of paw print embedded within the mud now i thought it was, I was immediately i'm like oh my god it's one of the it's one of the moon bears i'm gonna have another run in with a bear but uh kevin and charlotte were like it, it it almost looks like it belongs to some kind of a like a cat like a big cat or <laughs> i don't i don't know if they're like leopards or things like that up there but it scared me <laughs> so we start making our way back down the mountain and now it's super treacherous because where it had been slick walking up, we are literally sliding down this mountain, scraping our backs, scraping our butts as we're, as we're falling over rocks. I was trying to just like crab walk my way down, but it, we're just completely sliding. And it, it, 
it hurt. It hurt bad. It, it turned out that <laughs> I, I broke one of my toes doing this uh, on the foot with the flip-flop that was left over because it was sinking into the mud and the two straps on the flip-flop would, would pull down on my toe as I sunk into the mud. And as I was, as I was trying to pull my foot, like shuck it back out of the mud. Um, it, it was, I got nervous for a little bit. Like then we, I was, I was sweating cause it was so hot. Um, I was worrying, like I said, about whatever could be like chiggers and things like that, that could be getting into the cuts of my feet. I'm thinking for sure I'm leaving this place with a parasite somehow falling over each other, cursing, swearing, sweating. We made our way in basically one piece to the bottom of this trail. And we thought, Oh, like now do we take the right path? And do we go to the top? We didn't, we were so beat and so shot. The only thing we could think of doing was hopping back into the water and, and cooling off and kind of, cleaning out our cuts and things like that. So we did that and then it started to pour rain. So we hung out. It was actually kind of cool hanging out in the waterfalls with it raining on us. So we did that for a bit and then we made our way back to our driver who was incredibly upset with us for making him late. (laughs) He then picked up a number of people. So he had a schedule he hadn't told us about and he picked up a number of people who joined us on the ride back. And it was really strange but he drove back like a maniac the way that he had driven there. But definitely 100%, if you are in Laos, if you are in Southeast Asia, you need to go to the Kwangsai Falls because it is absolutely beautiful. And um, it's definitely a not miss, uh, it's definitely a don't miss, especially, like I said, if they're going to be developing the area and, and if it's going to be changing. Um. So I mentioned that there were a number of bloggers who I had read that said that, you know, Luang Prabang wasn't really their thing, but I really enjoyed it. I liked how peaceful it was. Um, I liked that it was kind of like a stopover point, a chill out spot. Um, we tried uh, LARB, which was okay. I've, I have actually had better LARB here in, in New York City. Uh, I tried a couple of stews. They're known there also for like Lao barbecue, which is similar to a, a like a, I had Cambodian barbecue in Cambodia. It's real similar. It's where you get um, the coals and and the the little stove in the middle of your table, and you get various meats or seafoods and vegetables and things like that, and you cook up your meal. So that was good, but uh, the food didn't really stand out to me as it does in other places in Southeast Asia. But um, I would recommend going to Luang Prabang. I would actually go back too. I think if I if I go back for an extended period of time and visit some other places in Laos, I think it would be nice again to, to stop over in Luang Prabang. And it's a great place again to, to meet people, to meet fellow travelers, to meet people who are stopping over uh, like we did. So hi, Charlotte. Hope that we get to see you soon. From there, we um, went on back to Ho Chi Minh City, where we spent a couple of days before flying home. So that is Luang Prabang Lao. I hope that you found some of this information valuable, and I hope that you found it interesting. 
Thanks as always to everybody for listening. I've booked a couple of people that will be on here in the future. Uh, one of those is um, my friend Maria, who I hadn't I haven't seen in very long time, but she's been all over the place. So I'm excited to get to to catch up with her and to have her share her stories with you. And I've also been in contact with Graham Holiday, who wrote Eating Vietnam, and he's putting out uh, Eating Korea in March, I believe. So we're going to to link up and do something. I don't know if it will be closer to March. Maybe that makes more sense because that's when the book's coming out. But I'm looking forward to talk to both talking to both of them, and I'm trying to get some other folks on the show as well. So um, stay tuned because I'm really excited about all that stuff. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Tim, and this has been the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Peace.
machines, but in every opportunity where they are allowed to behave like machines, they diminish our individuality. Yeah.